Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. If you have not realized by now what we are doing, uh, today is a sad day, but also a day of happiness, of just anticipation and excitement uh, for our senior class of 2021. They are about to go off into the world and do some pretty awesome things And we are so excited to see what they do, but also at the same time, uh, we are mourning and sad that they are going to be leaving us soon to go off uh, to their next chapter in life. If you can think and remember all the way back to your senior year, there was a lot of excitement, uh, but also at the same time, uh, there was a lot of questioning, a lot of what actually is next. And so we are excited uh, to be able to walk alongside these seniors uh, and just be with them throughout these next few months as that process continues uh, to go and develop and to turn into what their futures are actually going to look like. And so I'm going to invite um, Faith up. I also want to invite Cole, Jaden, and Julian to come and join me real quick. This is our class of 2021. So if you want to give them a round of applause. If you have been a part of Vessel um, for any extended amount of time, you have met one of these seniors. Uh, not Faith, though. That's my wife. Uh, and, and you've probably met Faith, too. Uh, and you have witnessed uh, just, just them interacting um, here at church, maybe with your students, your younger kiddos, uh, back in the kids' ministry area. Uh, they have been a blessing to Vessel. They have helped uh, here in morning service. They have helped uh, in children's ministry. They have led in student ministry as well, but they also lead outside of here too. Jillian is a fabulous gymnast. She can do more flips than I can count. She is a leader in her gymnastics gym. She is somebody that younger girls look up to and inspire to be. She is going to be attending at uh, ACC Austin, uh, not Christian, not Christian, uh, Austin Community College, and she is then going to later on, after a couple years, go to Texas State, and we are super excited to see what she does uh, during her time in school and what all of that um, turns out uh, to be. Uh, But also during that, she is going to be working at the gym that she has been doing gymnastics at um, all of her life. And so she's going to be able to continue the relationships that she has had with these younger girls for years to come. And we are super excited about that as well. Jaden is going to actually be enlisting in the Marines. We are so proud of Jaden for that. Jaden, thank you for your service here at Vessel, but also thank you for your service to our country as well. 
Jaden is a star football player at Stony Point High School. He is beloved by his teachers and by his classmates. He is looked up to on the football field, off the football field. And if you didn't know this about Jaden, Jaden has a beautiful voice. He might not let you hear it, uh, but he is a star in his choir program at his school as well. And they, throughout these last few years, have gone on to win multiple awards and beat multiple different schools when it comes to singing. And so Jaden, I hope that you continue to use those gifts long after high school and long after uh, you are done with the Marines as well. And then I can't forget about Cole. Cole is an awesome, brilliant thinker. Cole thinks outside the box. He loves to imagine and use his mind and think about what the potential of things could actually be. Cole is going to go on and actually go to Texas State Technical College and do things in construction. And we are so excited to see what he builds, what he develops. And I told him the other day that once he gets good enough, I would love for him to make me a house and remember all of the times in youth when I was there for him. (laughs) Not really. But maybe, if you wanted to. Uh, Cole is an awesome friend. He cares deeply about the people that he has in his circle. He is somebody who you want to be fighting for you. And throughout these last few years, Cole has been there for the younger kids in Vessel Students. And he has also been there for his classmates as well. Cole might not have a beautiful voice, but he is an amazing actor. He is a part of their theater program at Concordia High School. And same thing, Cole leads that program. The people, the students, his teachers look to him as an example as somebody who they know is going to develop and help the younger kids in his high school. And we are so excited to see all of the things that Cole ends up doing also. There also is someone who is not able to be here today, Danny. Uh, Danny is uh, at home. He wasn't feeling great, uh, and so he decided to stay there. Uh, but Danny is an awesome individual. Danny's a great basketball player. We love Danny a lot, and we are sad that he could not join us today. And so, church, I'm going to ask you a few things. And the first thing is this. I believe that a lot of you know these students have interacted with these students. And so today at some point, after service, when we're cleaning up, congratulate them. Talk to them about what they are about to go do. Ask them questions. Hear from them personally what God has done in their lives and what God is going to do in their lives and what they are hoping for. They all have amazing dreams and capabilities and things that they don't even know they are going to go and do. And so encourage them in that. But that encouragement doesn't need to end after today. They are still going to be around. We are still going to see them for years to come, hopefully. And so as they continue to come visit, as they continue uh, to come and be a part of everything happening at Vessel, 
Continue reaching out to them, asking them what's going on. How can we pray for them? How can you pray for them? Give them the opportunity to tell you how God has been working in their lives. This is not just a one-time thing. It takes a village uh, to bring and develop and have a community. And this is their community. And so as they go off to do everything that they're going to do, let them know that. Remind them that you are here for them in person, in text, whenever you see a photo of them pop up on social media, encourage them in whatever way you feel like God is calling you to do that. We, again, are so thankful for everything that they have done. This is a sad moment for me because I have grown in love with all three of these students from going to get coffee, to playing basketball, to just hearing about what God has done in them and how God has moved. There are some exciting things ahead for all of them. And so I'm going to ask all of you to actually stand up with me. And if you feel comfortable, uh, just raise your hands, point it out towards them. And I'm going to pray. And I would love for you to pray along with me, uh, but also continue praying for them. Continue lifting them up to the Lord. They need it. They need God. They need his presence. So please join me in that over these next few months and as they continue throughout this next journey in their life. God, we just thank you for these seniors. We thank you for their hearts and how they have come here and they have fallen in love with you, God. God, we thank you for how you have moved in their lives, how your spirit is known in everything that they do, and how they have felt your presence over these last four years of high school, God. God, we pray that they feel honored today, that they see all of the fruit that they have been a part of. But we also pray that they're able to look forward and see how you are working and how you are going to continue developing them long after today, God. God, we pray for boldness and courage for the things that are ahead. We pray for a community for them, wherever they end up, that they can fall in love and know that they have a place that they belong to. But we also pray, God, that they continue to remember the people here at Vessel, the people that love them, the people that are there for them, and that they know that if they ever need anything, that Vessel Collective Church is there, that Vessel Collective Church is ready for them to come back in. We will have open arms, and we will take them and hear them, and we will be there for them, God. God, we pray that over these three seniors today. God, we pray just for an abundance of steadfastness. God, speak over them. Continue speaking through their parents. Continue speaking through the people that they have in their lives, God. God, continue working boldly in everything that they do. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Y'all can go have a seat. I now have the privilege of introducing Joe Ho... Uh, to come up here. Joe is going to be teaching today. If you don't know Joe, Joe is awesome. Joe 
is an amazing person, and Joe has a fabulous message for us. So I'm going to pray over Joe uh, real quick. Uh, God, we thank you for Joe. We thank you for his heart. God, we pray uh, that you speak through him right now in this place, God. God, we pray that this message is your message. And God, we pray that we are able to accept it. God, open our hearts, open our minds to your truth. We ask that we are able to leave here today with a better understanding of who you are, and we are able to take the things that we pull out of Scripture and apply those into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jacob. Let's give a hand to those seniors again. Well, today we are continuing our uh, year, year-long series called Dear Church, and uh, we're looking at letters, uh, and we are right now in the letter of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, so for those of you, I don't know if there are visitors or people that are, you know, especially maybe visitors here with our students, but we've got a strange one this morning. So uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, by most people's uh, estimation, is about the Antichrist. So it doesn't actually use the word Antichrist, but most people think that it's, a, it's about the same, uh, the Antichrist, which is referred to in John, 1 John chapter 2. Um, and so just a, a little window. Uh, so as a preacher, what you have to do is you have to keep one eye on the Bible and one eye on the congregation. So in one eye, I'm trying to keep an eye on, to understand what is the Bible actually saying? What was Paul saying to the Thessalonians and what's actually there? And the other eye, I'm keeping on all of us and saying, what does this body of believers need to hear? Well, with a topic like this, it's not really easy to make that connection. I, all week I've been wrestling through this passage, and I think I've got some idea about what it says, but what it says is a little bit strange. And, and then I, I actually sat in the car for a while uh, yesterday, and I actually prayed for as many of you as I could picture or, re- or remember by name, uh, just saying, what is it, God, what does this, this person need to hear? And I have to confess, it's not very easy to make that connection. <laughs> between a fairly strange passage and what we really need to hear, but we're going we're gonna to go for it today. Um, and what we're going to do is the first half, I'm going to try to put this passage in the big picture, the big picture of Jesus' second coming, which is what Paul's largely teaching about in First and Second Thessalonians. Um, and then the second part, I'm going to actually try and walk through uh, 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 Second Thessalonians 2 and say, what, is this, what might this have to say to us, even though it's, it's, it's a little bit strange, okay? But I want to forewarn you, in both the first section and the last sec- second section, I'm going to say something that is a little controversial. So just letting you know, I'm going to say something controversial in both sections. Um, if you are newer to the Christian faith or you are not a Christian, it probably won't bother you. The longer you have been a Christian and the more you are immersed in Christian things, the more I am likely to push or challenge or even offend you with uh, the controversial things. So I'm just warning you up front. All right, so let me pray for us and we'll get started. God, we believe that your scripture um, is breathed by you for our edification. And even the parts that we find strange or hard to understand are things that you have given to us. And so we pray that you would, uh, your spirit 
would enliven my teaching right now so that it would be something that's helpful and words of life for us. But also, even more than my speaking, Lord, would you be in the ears of all who hear, that they would hear your words. And if my words are your words, would they hear them clearly? And if you need to work around my words to be able to get your words into people's ears, we ask that you would do that. If there are words that I speak that are the same as what you want people to hear, would that go deep into our hearts that we would be encouraged and we would remember? And if there are things that I have to say that are not the words that people need to hear, would it just pass in one ear and out the other and be forgotten? God, we trust in you for our whole lives, and we trust in you even to know and understand you. So we just ask for your help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So big picture, Jesus is coming back. This is the most prominent, this is more prominent and explicit in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians than any other books in the Bible. I would argue even more than in Revelation, but that's a controversial sermon for another day. Now, the big picture is Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to renew the whole world. Um, this, a couple of weeks ago, we had our bathrooms remodeled. Now, it was, on, it was like a light remodeling uh, as, as remodeling goes. I mean, know some of you guys know how to do that kind of stuff. I don't. Um, we had a linole- old linoleum that was really scratched up, so we had that pulled out and just had some tile put in. And then we also, one of our, our two bathrooms has a bathtub that is so scratched up and dirty, it is uncleanable. Um, and so we bought the cheapest bath shub- uh, tower, uh, shower tub kit that you could find at Home Depot, and people came in and replaced it. Um, now, our, our bathrooms look amazing. They're, they're, they, look, they look like they're whole other bathrooms, but they're not, actually. They're the same bathrooms. They're in the same place. A lot of the piece parts of it are still there, but, and, and so it's not a new bathroom, and it looks like the old one, but it looks like a whole new bathroom. And as a matter of fact, the parts that look the worst are the best parts now. That is what Jesus is going to do when he comes back. He's going to come and create a whole new world where It's the same world, but it looks like an entirely different world because all the worst things are now the best. That's what Jesus is coming to do. Now, um, when Jesus comes back, now what does this mean for people, right? So what does this mean for people like you and I in this whole picture? Well, the, the question that comes up is, so in this whole new world that Jesus is making, who lives there? Well, the, the first and second Thessalonians, Paul answers the question. The people that live there are the, those that are resurrected. That those people who knows, know Jesus, Jesus whose body was raised from the dead, he will raise our bodies from the dead to live in the new heavens and the new earth. So um, here's the first controversial thing I'm going to say. The early church, Peter and Paul and the other people that, that we read about in the New Testament, did not preach the gospel that most of us have heard. They did not preach the gospel that most of us heard. Growing up, the gospel I heard is, if you trust in Jesus, your soul will go to heaven after you die. Now, I think that's true, and I think it's true because the Bible barely implies it between one and three times, and I think it does, and so I think it's true. Um, But Peter and Paul and the others, the gospel they preached is, If you trust in Jesus, you, body and soul, will get to live in the new heavens and new earth when he comes back. In other words, the hope of the Christian is in the second coming, not in what happens to you after you die, although there are a few things that imply that some good things might happen after you die. 
1 Thessalonians 5, which Shay taught on just a couple weeks ago, and 1 Corinthians 15 say it like this. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, those who trust in him will be resurrected just like he was, resurrected from the dead. I'm going to pause a little. I don't know if there are any people here who are, not, who are new to the Christian faith or checking out the Christian faith. I understand that sounds crazy. We say all kinds of crazy things. Um, uh, we, uh, we, we believe that God came and became a person. We believe that person was killed and rose risen from the dead. And yes, this is another crazy thing that we Christians say. That person is coming back and the one who was raised from the dead will raise our bodies from the dead too. So I just want to name that if that's, you've heard that for the first time, I granted, it sounds crazy. Um, it's hard. Oh, it's back. That was fast. So Jesus will be coming back. Wow. How many of you thought Jesus was coming back right now? <laughs> so one of the one of the uh, the the oh wait so we, we don't have we don't have the projection screen so one of the main um, one of the main things in our family's life over the last few months is not uh, was not actually the renovation of our bathroom but actually a car accident that we were in if we if we get this on you'll see a picture of the car accident um, but we were we were pulling out somebody ran a red light and it just destroyed one quarter of our car. Now, there were three of us in the car. One, two, three. It destroyed the one quarter of our car that did not have a person in it, right? So if you can imagine that, and if you saw the picture, you would see like that the, the whole part of the car is collapsed in around the one seat that did not have a, a passenger in it. Um, I was driving, and so you can imagine it was the seat right behind me, and so it barely missed me. Like, it was a couple feet away from just completely destroyed the spot, the spot where I was sitting. And we've reflected a lot, and my friends have, have, you know, at work, and our friends around here have reflected on God's provision, and God protected me, and God preserved my body. One, you know, one friend was said, you know, I don't know what you think about angels, but, you know, I think that the angels just pushed that car another few inches, and, you know, so that it, that, that it hit the spot behind you and not you. And I believe that too. But let me ask you this question. If we say God was protecting me, what if that hadn't happened? What if it had not, what if it had been a few inches uh, away and I had been hit by the truck and it had hit right where the driver was? Would God have still protected me? Because yeah, we, we need to answer that question because things don't always work out that way for Christians or for anybody else, right? So we cannot answer yes regardless of where the truck hit our car, then we're, we're not really trusting in God. We're just finding a way to say nice things when nice things happen, right? What the resurrection says is that God will protect my body. And he protected it one way by moving it out of the way so I didn't get hit by the car. But if my body had been beaten and broken by that, by that truck, God will, would still have protected my body and given it back to me someday. That's what the resurrection means. So, so um, when, when you go to funerals, let me, uh, let me maybe put it this way. When you go to funerals, um, or when I go to funerals, and a couple times I've been asked to preach at funerals, I never say they're going to a, they've gone to a better place. Although I believe that they are, if they know Jesus, they're in the presence of God. I don't say, we're, we're not to comfort ourselves by saying they're going to better, a better place. When I preach funerals, I say, this body has been taken from us by sin and death and the devil. And Jesus is going to come someday and he's going to take it back. So 
So what the resurrection says, it's not that, well, whatever happens here, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Someday you get to escape from it. Um, and and God, will get, God will get the soul victory, you know, the, the victory over your soul. He gets to protect your soul. But, you know, uh, sin and death and the devil, you know, he gets everything else. He gets your body. That's not true. Jesus wins. Jesus wants it all, and he's going to get it all. The good news for those of us, uh, for those of us practically speaking, is we've got friends that are, that, whose bodies are, are struggling right now. Um, there are some people in this, in this congregation who have illness where there's, some, there, there's something wrong with their body and it's, 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 we don't know whether we can fix it or whether things are going to get better. We also know a lot of people are struggling with uh, things that are mental health. And we, know, and we also know that mental health issues are very much in the body, right? There are things that are happening in your head that you can't do anything about. You can't help, you can't help how you feel and react to things. That's, that's a part of our, our, our world today. And so the second coming of Jesus isn't just something, hey, someday Jesus is coming back. It, it, the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus tells you that all those things that are broken— God can fix it. He can heal it right now miraculously. He can fix it tomorrow, someday, gradually, but for sure someday. What has been t- anything that has been taken from you, from your body, by sin, death, and the devil, Jesus is coming to take it back. So that is the big picture of the second coming. Um, and so that is where we are. So that's what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians, largely. So, uh, sorry, sorry, 1 Thessalonians. We're coming to 2 Thessalonians right now, second letter, and we're gonna, now we're going to try to get into the Antichrist. Um, so, like 1 and 2 Corinthians, we also have 1 and 2 Thessalonians. So, there are two cases in the Bible where we have two letters from Paul, which is sort of interesting when you get two letters, because if you can sort of imagine like an email chain, you know, where like you send a message, someone sends it back, someone sends another one, someone sends it back, right? It, it gets you more of that picture because we get two of them. But, but you have to re- remember, like it's only two of them. There are probably more communications than these, and it doesn't contain any of the, the things he's hearing from the other side, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up, oh, here's, you saw the picture of the tr- car, right? Before that. So, um, so if you, uh, that's crazy, right? So, um, the, so the next, the next picture, I'm going to take a picture of these. This is, these are two emails I got from a friend of mine recently. And so just think about this, the first letter and the second letter. I just want you to take a, a minute to read the first and second letter to see if you can figure out what conversation is happening here. So who thinks they know what the, these emails are about? You, you have to, it's, and it's like first and second Thessalonians, right? You have to sort of guess because you don't know the, you don't see the rest of the conversation. Anybody want to try? Yeah, it's a participation in something. Yeah, there's an invitation of some sort. Anybody have any other guess? So preaching is something. No, it's, so it's a small group. It's not a small group. What else? Any, any other guesses? What, what can you guess? Can you guess anything? So I'll tell you. The first one is uh, one of my... Oh, so Melissa's got something. It was declined. Okay, so, so Melissa got the, the big picture is that whatever the invitation was up there, I couldn't do it, right? Did, how many of you ca- caught that? Because he said, the, no worries, I understand, right? So this is a, an old friend of, of mine that uh, we were, uh, I, he, he was a guy who supervised in ministry, but we also, he and his wife became good friends of, of mine, was uh, supervised him for seven years. His wife, a supervisor for five of those years. Um, we got to build together a really cool ministry um, at University of Virginia together, and then he um, He's now being ordained in a denomination and asked me to participate in the ordination. I thought maybe we could make it work out. I couldn't. But you can sort of see how you, you guess that. But what happened in between is there was something that he thought was the case, and then it turned out, oh, well, I guess it wasn't the case.
case, no worries, right? So something like that happened between First and Second Thessalonians. Um, we have to sort of guess at what happens in between, but here's sort of what we could probably guess. First Thessalonians, particularly chapter four and five of First Thessalonians was written to help them focus more on the second coming. People had died, if you recall. People had died and people, uh, in, in uh, Thessalonica. They were disturbed. Paul said, focus on the, special, the second coming to comfort yourselves, the, the resurrection, and they'll, they'll be okay. And so he wrote for them to focus more on the second coming. And they listened to him. Some of them, as a matter of fact, really started focusing on the second coming, like big time. And then as they did so, they sort of went off the rails in a couple little ways. And, and part of what Paul is doing in 2 Thessalonians is saying, oh, whoa, 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 back up. Like, that's not really what I said. Let's try to get these things a little bit under control here. Um, and that's where we are in 2 Thessalonians 2, is that Paul is going back to the people that he told to focus on the second coming, who, some of whom really started focusing on the second coming. And so he could sort of try to straighten a few things out that were confused. Um, so I'm going to read a few verses, a, a couple of verses at a time and just walk through it um, and, and sort of try to follow what Paul is saying and, tr- and draw out maybe a few things for how, what we can learn from it. So uh, verses one and two. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or a word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So um, people were saying that Paul was saying that the day of the Lord, the second coming, had already happened. Uh, so he was going to, and we don't need to understand all of that, but that was happening. The key thing I want you to, uh, to focus on here is that the, the Thessalonians were unsettled and alarmed. He said, like, let's, uh, I, I, wanted, uh, I want you to, to, to not become easily unsettled or alarmed by all this, this teaching that people say is from me and is not me, right? So remember, unsettled and alarmed, we're going to come back to that later. Second, uh, three and four, verses three and four. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day, that is the coming of Jesus, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself above every, over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God." So this introduces this strange person that is called the man of lawlessness or the person of sin or something like that, the man of lawlessness, regarded by many people to be the same as the Antichrist, which is referred to in 1 John chapter 2. Strange. Hold on to that for a minute, okay? Just like hang on to that. Strange. We're not going to be able to get into everything, but just hang on to that. Here's where I want us to start paying closer attention. Verses 5 and 6. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. So, um, so Paul says, don't you remember? I told you about all of this. Which if, the, the, the fact is this, like um, he may have told them all this, but he didn't tell us all this, right? <laughs> like we weren't there when he was teaching. So what we get from this is, uh, is, is something I think is really important. Um, God did not choose for all those things to make it into the Bible. He only chose for these things to make it into the Bible. I would love to have heard all the other things that he told the Thessalonians, that he was there, that he could tell them, hey, you know all these things. 
those weren't the things that God preserved in the Bible for us. He preserved only the part that we are reading in this letter. Um, so there's a couple things we need to get uh, straight with the Bible. I love what Jake said last week about the Bible buffet, that we can't go through the Bible and just pick and choose parts of the Bible and leave other parts out, and you get a terrible diet that way if you really eat at a buffet all the time. So you can't take parts of the Bible and leave other parts out. But similarly, you can't... Uh, there are some things the Bible doesn't say, and you can't just sort of fill them in with whatever. Like, you, you know, that, that sometimes the Bible just doesn't say things, and you have to be okay with what the Bible doesn't say. But let's, let's move on. I'm going to try and draw out what I think it's, it is telling us, some of the things it is telling us. Um, and by the way, I'm not going to be able to identify you like a, the, the, by, you know, with what person this is and identify them in the news today. Um, but, I, but I'm going to try and take out maybe some things we can learn from what Paul is saying about the man of lawlessness. So first, I'm going to read uh, chapter, verses 6 and 7 um, here. And now you know what is holding him back, the man of lawlessness, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Now, of all the strange verses, these two are probably the strangest verses in all of it. But here's sort of the point. He says, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. So in other words, the man of lawlessness isn't here yet, but the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. So whatever bad person this is, it's sort of in keeping with what's already coming, already come. All the way back, this is probably the earliest thing written in the New Testament, and the power of lawlessness was already at work. So what, the, what it's saying is this. Whatever the man of lawlessness is, whatever the Antichrist is, it's nothing new. Opposition to God false claims to be God were nothing new to the Thessalonians. They had faced persecution from the, from the Jewish authorities, from the Roman authorities. They were familiar with many idols and people uh, claiming false, th- false things. They were used to the Roman emperors claiming to be God. So claims to be God and people exalting themselves and false teaching in op- opposition to the message of Jesus, nothing new at all. And they should be nothing new to us. First John says, that many antichrists have come. But the, the same passage that talks about the antichrist, it says, and many antichrists have already come. And he even says that any person that denies the father and son is the antichrist. So the, whatever the man of lawlessness is and the antichrist is, it's nothing new. That's the reason, by the way, why I think people have been, identified so many people through the centuries and said, that's the antichrist. Because whatever the Antichrist is, it's nothing new. It's part of the opposition to God that's always been around and is always going to be around. But the second thing about this passage is it talks about being held back, right? It's taught, do, you, do you notice that? It's like the, whatever the, the power of lawlessness is, it's being held back. So the other thing about opposition to God is this. Although opposition is nothing new, it's not as bad as it could be. It's not as bad as it could be. Like there's opposition to God, but there's also stuff that's like sort of holding it back and, and, and maybe keeping God in the picture, you know, and, and being able to resist that kind of evil. There's something holding back the evil, and that's extraordinarily difficult to identify, by the way, interpretively, even more difficult than the Antichrist to figure out what he's talking about there. But he's saying that, Paul's saying that something that that's, the, the evil that is opposing God is being held back. And without it, 
Someday there's going to be an unrestrained version of this opposition. And that's what he calls the man of lawlessness, the lawless one. The Thessalonians were being persecuted. They were having a tough time. But Paul actually tells them, actually, the persecution is actually being held back. It's not as bad as it could be. It's not as bad as they might think that it is. It's being restrained. This is something I think that we need to hear. I think a lot of time Christians these days I hear saying, the culture's going against us and it's going downhill and it's so hard to be a Christian. I would say that on balance, it's probably true that it's getting worse to be a Christian in a lot of parts of the world, probably in our country as well, on balance. Um, it's definitely not that bad. Like, it's definitely being restrained. I was talking to some friends this morning. I was like, if you, if you go to any coffee shop in Round Rock, every other table is a couple of Christians having a spiritual conversation. It's not that bad. You know, we, we started a church two years ago. And in the middle of a pandemic, our church has been growing. So yes, there's opposition to God. And yes, it's on balance, probably getting a little worse. It's like, it's not that bad. There's plenty that's still restraining it, that's restraining the opposition. Um, and Paul says, you know, that, now, they, now you, so one day you may see unrestrained opposition, now that will be bad. Now here's the point that I think may be the most important for us, the point for us to get from this passage is verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So that day that Paul anticipates when opposition to God will be utterly unrestrained and somebody's just going to be able to oppose completely without resistance, Jesus is going to appear and they will be destroyed easily. So if you notice, like, um, we were talking in our small group last night when someone was talking about Avengers Endgame, and it was someone there who just said, it's just like a half hour fighting, 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 fighting. What is that? It's not like that. It's not an epic battle where Jesus comes and has this epic battle, you know, and, and, and ends up winning. He says he destroys with his, the breath of his mouth and with the presence of his coming. In other words, he just shows up and <laughs> gone. <laughs> That, so this is so whatever this is talking about in terms of the man of lawlessness, nothing compared to Jesus. Jesus is not a rival. Jesus just shows up, gone. Um, there's a, a T-shirt that I love. Uh, there, there, uh, there's a, um, a, a philosopher in the late 1800s named Frederick Nietzsche, and the most famous quote from Nietzsche is, God is dead. He was someone who essentially said, modern world has made it so it's impossible to believe in God. We have killed him. God is dead. And so I saw this T-shirt once where in the front it said, God is dead, Nietzsche. And on the back of it it said, Nietzsche is dead, God. So... So this is, this is sort of what God thinks of the strongest oppositions that could possibly be imagined against him. That's what we need to remember as Christians about all of the, about opposition. So I'm going to read a few more verses um, and sort of uh, move us toward our conclusion. So the coming of the lawless one, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. 
Lot's there, but let me just boil it down for you. Whoever this lawless one is will be empowered by Satan to deceive through signs and wonders, meaning that evil will be able to, and I would say is able to, counterfeit the same sorts of proof that true Christianity demonstrates. Meaning that like evil can sometimes put together something that looks a lot, looks convincing to Christians. Um, and, but, but here's the assurance. Those that are deceived are those that, lo- that love wickedness and not the truth. Love wickedness is not the truth. That's where, the, that's where the danger of deception is. Where the, the, the danger is that we come to, if, if we come to the point, if people come to the point where they're not interested in the truth, but they're just interested in doing what they want to do, right? That's pretty much like loving weaknesses rather than the truth. Like, I, I don't care about the truth. I just want what I want. I care about what I care about. I want to live the way I live. I don't care about the truth. That is where um, the danger of deception comes, Here's where, the most imp- here's, here's where the conclusion is that, that Paul is getting to for the Thessalonians right here that I'm going to read. Uh, 13 and 14. But we ought always to thank God for you. By the way, when Paul says, but, it's, an extremely, it's always extremely important. But is always, I, there was a preacher once at, a, as a, at a, like a 20,000 person missions conference that was from another country. And he, uh, he said, there are many glorious buts in the Bible. And... Uh, and someone had to explain to him in American vernacular what went wrong there. Um, so, but, after all this stuff about the man of lawlessness, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to share to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bottom line with that, he said, you don't need to worry about this. You guys love the truth. You don't love wickedness. You've been chosen by God. Remember the very beginning where he was saying they were being disturbed. They were being unsettled and alarmed by saying the second coming's already happened and maybe you've missed out on it. He was like, you don't need to worry about this. Don't worry about it. God knows you. God has you. You've been held securely. If you believed in the gospel of Jesus, you can be confident that God is holding on to you. So all of this stuff was not to make them worry about like, oh, wait, is the Antichrist coming? It's to say, hey, all this stuff is, you know, all this stuff is happening. You don't need to worry about it. God's got you. A couple more verses, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. If you remember earlier on, he said, some people are spreading some teaching, uh, whether by prophecy or word of mouth or by letter, right? That's unsettling you. He said, hold on to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth, by letter. In other words, he's saying, remember what I've told you. Don't worry about all this other stuff. I didn't tell you. Um, In other words, uh, continue in what you're thought, what you've been taught, And be cautious about going beyond it. Pay attention to what I've taught you, what the Bible says, but be cautious about going beyond it. I think this is a significant danger with regard to the second coming. 
Um, I grew up with a decent amount of teaching about the second coming in my circles, and it peaked during the 1980s. I don't know if any of you were in sort of Christian circles in the 1980s, but it was really big back then. It's, it's sort of become big again right now, but it's not that different than the 1980s where there's a lot of, you know, stuff about the second coming. Now, they didn't have like YouTube and like social media back then. It was like comic books and like little booklets, you know, little uh, th- things like that. But uh, it, it, this has happened before. And I'm going to say controversial thing number two. Most of the teaching about the second coming that you've heard is going beyond what the scripture teaches. Most of it. Some of the stuff that you think is uh, that you might think is wacky, but even some of the stuff that you probably think is fairly mainstream, I would say most of the teaching about the second coming goes beyond what the scripture teaches. The scripture does teach about it, but it goes beyond it, and we need to be careful. Hold on to what it says, but don't go beyond it. I will even say this and be more bold. If you hear teaching about the Antichrist and it gives you much more detail than I've given you right now, it's going beyond what scripture teaches. So I'm not saying that all of my details are right. I am saying that I'm giving you about the right amount of details. So if someone can talk for, about, for much longer than I can about, first second, about Second Thessalonians 2 and give you much more detail about the Antichrist than I just have, it's going beyond what Scripture says. Paul doesn't teach about the second coming in First or Second Thessalonians so that people will be in the know about the future, but so that they will not be anxious about the present. Let me say that again. Paul doesn't teach about the second coming so that you will be in the know about the future. He teaches about the second coming so that you will not be anxious about the present. Meaning, if there is teaching about the second coming of any sort that gets you riled up, that gets you really, that gets you really interested and intrigued, that makes you scared, that makes you angry, That's not why Paul taught any of it. So it's probably not exactly coming across the right way. Opposition to Christ is nothing new. And that's part of what this teaching about the man of lawlessness is about. It's it's nothing new and it's, it's likely to get worse. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to be outraged, outraged about it. You don't need to fight it. Jesus has got it. All he's got to do is show up and then gone. The only way we need to, that we are, need to fight for our faith is by loving those who persecute us and non-defensively, non-combatively continue to witness to Jesus Christ and worship him. That's what we got to do. Hold on to what you know, non-defensively, non-combatively, continue to worship Jesus as Christians. Um, you don't need to worry about it. So, what I had to say to you to this, just backing up, is that the first part of the talk actually is the important one I want you to remember, is that if you are afflicted in body or in mind right now, Jesus is going to redeem it. He can do it miraculously now, but it may take a while. He doesn't always do that. You can trust that Jesus, whatever sin, death, brokenness, disease in this world takes from you, God is going to take it back and give it back to you. With regard to the second, other details about the second coming, yes, there is opposition out there. Don't be surprised. Yes, it's going to get worse. It probably will get worse. In lots of parts of the country, or the world, it's, going to get, it's, it's getting worse. Some parts, it's getting better. It goes up and down, but it definitely gets worse. Whatever happens, 
God's got you. If you have your faith in Jesus, he's got you. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to get anxious. And, and uh, please do not feel like you need to go beyond scripture so that you will be in the know. You don't need to do that. He's got you. He will take care of you. He will fight for you. And when he shows up, that's all he needs to do. Let me pray for us. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.